0: It's time now for the complete story with Dick Bot, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now here is Dick Bot with today's complete story. Well, you know, Rich,
1: everyone is talking. Everyone is talking. I can just imagine across the country, wherever Bot Radio Network has a listening audience, I'm sure everybody's kind of thinking about the election. What happened? And what group are you in and what group are—so on and so forth. People are still so divided, but the election is over, and there are some things that are, that are true and are not really being considered and discussed about it. Rich, let me ask you, is this a time for gaiety and hilarity and all of that, or is this a time of reflection?
2: Well, it is a time for reflection, Dad, and it's a time to thank God for a reprieve. That's the way I look at this. This is a reprieve, I, and I, as I saw the election returns coming in, I thought, I am witnessing a miracle taking place. God is answering the prayers of His people. We are likely to see pro-life pro-religious liberty, pro-Constitution judges appointed to the Supreme Court. We have an, a continued opening to preach the gospel. Yeah. We have a continued opening to preach the gospel freely over the airwaves with FCC appointments and so forth. I believe that God has given us this opportunity. This isn't the time to to relax and celebrate. This is the time to roll up our sleeves and advance the gospel and advance the kingdom of God and use the daylight that god has given us tell you what now listen,
1: before we go to our guests and i want to do that pretty quickly but i am reminded of that of that verse in scripture i think billy graham is the first one that quoted it and really made me think about it because the lord said if my people mm-hmm. see if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves now how does a person humble themselves i tell you what you start reaching out to your neighbor You start caring about each other. You start sharing the gospel
2: by showing the love of God. Mm -hmm. It's and, not being prideful. No, it isn't and being And we, we just interviewed uh, Franklin Graham yesterday and had the joy of thanking him for his 50 statewide uh, prayer rallies that he hosted at each of the state capitals where people prayed for America. They prayed for revival. And that's what I'm looking for is that we will see a Great Awakening-style revival sweep our land. All right. Now that what will I, make a difference. What I wanted
1: to do with this program— I wanted to reflect, and I wanted to think about all of the wonderful people that has been our pleasure to come to know, and and I could not think of anyone other than Reverend Bill Owens, Reverend Bill Owens, uh, and his wife Deborah, who just reflected so many of the very same things that we care about, and that we're a part of our own life's experience, and I thought this would be wonderful to be able to visit with those two people on this broadcast because I know our listening audience will find it very interesting that our background doesn't have to be the same. Our, um, our color doesn't have to be the same. Our locality of where we were raised in one state as opposed to another. But when you have a common purpose in your heart mm-hmm. and you want to serve and you want to do the right thing, And help each other and help your brother. Uh, That's what really makes it special, isn't it? When your heart is the same. Well, anyway, Reverend Bill Owens with the Church of God in Christ, you were in Memphis, Tennessee, a resident when I first met you. God bless you and welcome to the Complete Story.
0: Thank you for having us. Yeah. We honor.
1: And Deborah, it's so nice to have you on the broadcast.
3: Thanks for having. Now, me. we
1: should say Doctor Deborah That's Owens because right. there's quite a story in that too, isn't there? Where you got your PhD from Vanderbilt? Because yes, both Deborah is fine. <laughs> Deborah is fine. Well, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. We are all we're going to just visit as people, visit as friends, but I want the people to know that you did, you worked hard, and you were well motivated. So that you had the credentials mm-hmm. in order to speak with authority about education and how to help children um, and can can we mention mention the point we have we don't have television here, just have radio, but both of you are african American and so you have a life experience that is very unique to yourself
3: that's right that's right and um for me i don't understand why people always are trying to put people in a box, you know, African Americans, just because you're African American does not mean you have to vote Democrat. Uh, And that's insulting uh, to me personally, because I have a brain Mm -hmm. and I can think for myself. And, uh, you know, we saw the way the direction our country was going in and we didn't like it. And so we uh, decided that we were going to do something about it. Deborah, where were you raised? I was raised in Brooklyn, New York
1: is that right Yes and then your husband Reverend Bill Owens he was raised in Memphis That's um, right and and then also at one time or another Bill lived in in Los Angeles so so we do have an american experience here on on this broadcast don't we
0: East and West
1: Coast and everything in between And everything in between <laughs> uh, Let me go to you uh, Reverend Bill Owen, I'm going to just I'm going to just call you Bill. You call me Dix, and then because I I just want to visit as the good friends that we are. You and I have known each other for a long time. A long time. When you were in Memphis, and uh, and I believe I want to I want to also talk about how you f- formed the Coalition of African American Pastors. It's called CAP, and I have seen you conducting press conferences and things. Uh, you have put your shoulder to the wheel. But, Bill, could we start out? I want our listening audience to know what your story is, where you were raised, how you were raised. I remember one time we were in Memphis together, and there was a group that I had brought in from Kansas City, I think it was, and and we went around. You made arrangements, by the way, for us to get into Mason Temple, where Martin Luther King brought his last message the night before he was shot. And uh, and d- during that time, we went around in the big van that we had so everybody could be together and listen to what you were saying. And you kind of gave us a tour of your early life story. But could you share some of that with our audience, kind of bring them up to date on that?
0: I would be happy to. I was born in Memphis, right there. And I took you to Mason Temple, uh, where, which is the headquarters of the Church of God in Christ, where I grew up. And uh, it was a splendid experience for you to walk through that temple where Dr. King brought his last message.
1: Now, what year were you born so the listening audience can really <laughs> get a feeling? Because well, I was want 19, them to. 19, I,
2: 1938. See, in
1: 1938, you're just a little younger than I am <laughs> by about six or seven years, but I'll tell you, 1938, so you have a life experience that many people listening of every color and every background would not be able to understand, and yet you did it because you lived it in Memphis. So go ahead and tell us a little bit about what you shared with our guests that day.
0: Well, I I was born in Memphis and grew up there, and we were so poor, the poor people called us poor. Mm -hmm. Uh, We started out, the first seven years of my life, we lived in two rooms, 11 people. My mother's sister died and she took in her children, 11 people, outside water, outside toilet, and uh, we were taught to work. We worked, uh, I started working when I was in third grade, and we have worked ever since.
1: Now how important was that right there? You said we were taught to work, and you started working when you were very young. Now that resonates with me because while I was raised uh, in uh, in Robbinsdale, Minnesota, I was taught to work. And I can't remember a time in my childhood when I didn't enjoy working. It was part I, of my life.
0: I don't remember a time that I didn't work. I started working in third grade and have not stopped working. And uh, so we were taught to work and get an education. And right there at Mason Temple where you were, I went to school right down the street from Mason Temple and went back there and taught after I finished college, the Rose Elementary School, and went back there and taught school and uh, I went to Tennessee State University, got my degree. We were, Wait a minute, now you're going
1: awful fast, so, so you grew up right there and right then you there. went back to the very, the very little grade school that you grew up in and became a teacher. That's right. And you taught in that school. Tell me this. During your childhood years, how, tell us, when did you come to know the Lord as your Savior?
0: Uh, I was a, a boy. I was accepted Christ as a boy. So I've always known Christ. And I uh, went off to college and didn't get involved in the things that most students were involved in because I was saved then. I
1: well, what college Christ. did you go to?
0: Tennessee State University in Nashville. Tennessee. All right.
1: Now tell me this. Uh, They were not segregated then at that time? Yes, they were. Oh, they were.
0: Tennessee State was the only school, only state school, a black person could go to. Uh, They had many universities, but blacks could not go there. You had to go to Tennessee State. Everything was segregated.
1: All right. When you were going to church as a boy and you were working as a boy and you were learning in your family, did you have brothers and sisters?
0: Oh yes, I had five brothers. Who was
1: it in your life? Who was it in your life that said? Uh, did they call you as a as a youngster? Did you call you Billy?
0: They called me brother.
1: Oh, they called you brother. <laughs>
0: I can tell you, I got the name Bill. I'll tell you.
1: Oh, Ari, right. what is it?
0: I, I I I discovered something. Living in Memphis, white people would call black people. They just give them a name. It was Willie George or Bubba. And when I discovered that, uh, uh, the white man called me. Well, I said, "How did you know my name? I didn't know they call all black folks Willie, Bubba, Jack, something like that." So I changed my name to William. From that point, I've become Bill uh, because I did not want to be stigmatized as a black person, and you could just walk up and call me anything.
1: And so you changed your name to conform to how you felt about yourself. That's right. Absolutely. And now you wanted other people to regard you. That's right. Now tell me then, during those days of your childhood and teenage years and so on and so forth, uh, no one would want to go back there at all, I am sure, nor should they have ever been there in any part of the United States. But nevertheless, how did you grow up um, coming to know the Lord and wanting an education and all of those things without turning to violence and hate? Or maybe you did. I don't know. Tell me.
0: No, I never did. Never did. My mother instilled in us at home, you're going to go to college, and you're going to be a teacher like your principal, Mr. Brinkley. She instilled that in us, and she would tell us you can be as black as 50,000 midnights, but be somebody. So I've always known I was going to go to college. I've always known I was going to teach school. But I never had in in that dream that I would teach school at the school where I went as a boy. Yeah. To but, the eighth the, grade.
1: but the college you went to was a college you didn't have much choice. It was that college because that's the only college. Every other college was segregated.
0: That's right. State college.
1: How would that make you feel?
0: Well, we felt good at that time. I tell you, my college days were the happiest days of my life. And remember, while I was in college, we were in the city. And it was a joyous time. I did a lot of growth. I grew a lot, uh, developed a lot, had a lot of insight. About going off to college. First time I left home. But it was a great experience.
1: What were the professors like? The, what were the professors like? Did they, were they good teachers? Did they teach history? Did they, they were teach...
0: great teachers. Absolutely great teachers. And, and part of our inspiration came because we had great teachers. They, they showered black students with love and uh, encouraged them. And uh, a lot of that was lost, was lost during the integration period. But they were great teachers, great professors, and uh, I live on what I was taught then. I live on it today.
1: All right. Then you got out of college. Uh, How do you feel about education today? How do you feel about living today? Because we're talking about a time when America had to go through some terrible, terrible times in order to lay down lay down the problems, the things that should have never been in place in the first place. How? What about the churches? What about the churches in Memphis? Uh, because I'm sure you were going to the Church of God in Christ. That is a black uh, denomination, African-American denomination, wonderful Christian people. But then there were other churches that you wouldn't have been welcome in. Isn't that terrible?
0: <laughs> yeah, that that is true. Uh, and you know, it's something funny, Dick uh... when i grew up the church of god in christ people laughed at us because of the emotional because we were very emotional so they laughed at us the students laughed at us and the teachers laughed at us but now we're on main street but it's not like it was then when you were the joke because of the of the emotional the, the students would tease you, did you all do the holy roller? did you dance? did you speak in tongues? and not only did the students do it, the teachers did it so when when uh, Hillary Clinton called us uh, deplorables, I've been a deplorable all my life. I was deplorable because I was black, deplorable because I was in the sanctified church, and and just deplorable. And I was poor. So I was used to it.
1: Well, and of course, Dr. E.V. Hill, when he was alive, at that great Baptist church in Los Angeles, why he was not with the Church of God in Christ, he was with his denomination, but you both shared a love for the Lord and to reach out to people and do the right thing.
0: Absolutely, absolutely.
1: We, so it isn't a matter of emotion, it's a condition of the heart, isn't it? That's right, right. that's right. Go ahead, Rich.
2: Dr. Owens, I remember a quote that you, you said one time. You you told us that it was easier for you in your generation to get a college education than it is for a student today to get an eighth grade education and actually learn what you're supposed to learn by the eighth grade.
0: That's right. That's because of the condition of our school system and our society. The black community has changed so much from the time I grew up. Well, how about the white community? How
1: about the white community? Because there are kids going to school today. There are kids literally that are protesting on the streets right today that they still can't read properly they don't know american history they don't know very much but they do know how to get mad and how to how to throw a fit
0: that's right that's right and if you notice some of them being interviewed they can't even speak they can't even speak english some of them
3: well i i'm going to jump in honey because i truly believe and i know you agree with me that everything starts with the head, with the leadership. And we have a president of the United States of America who is uh, Barack Obama. And as far as I'm concerned, uh, he's not leading. What he's done is he served to uh, divide our nation among uh, rich and poor, gay and straight, you know, black and white. And so this is the result to me, in my opinion, of his leadership.
1: You know, Deborah, when you say our nation, define that, because there are some people that say, what nation? This is just a real estate place where I'm going to plant myself.
3: It's our nation. God. This is where God planted us. This is our nation, our country.
0: And we love it. Yeah, it's one <laughs> the, nation the, under God.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, that's right, one nation under God, um, indivisible. You see, but now let me ask both of you: How did you feel as young people about the flag of the United States of America, and how do you feel about the flag today as as the symbol of our nation?
0: We honored it then, and we honor it now. now.
3: I have a lot of pride. In fact, we have flags up in our neighborhood today, and Bill and I as well have one up, you know, at home. And uh, we we need to respect it and honor it.
0: It's a great country with all of its problems. It's the greatest place on Earth.
3: With all of the
0: challenges we have in America, I would not want to be anywhere else.
1: Let me ask you this. It seems to me that God has given us a president-elect who is willing to have house cleaning. He's willing to have spring cleaning, as it were. He's willing to say a new broom sweeps clean. Let's do the right thing and give everybody a chance to work, everybody a chance to produce, everybody a chance to get an education, everybody a chance in America. Now, I have not heard a presidential candidate really come right smack out and say, listen, everybody has an opportunity to have liberty and freedom and uh, and to do your best. And, and life, and life First. Well, then life, it starts with life. I mean, my word, he doesn't flinch on that. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. See, because I was thinking the the media even today is talking about he touched a chord with the white working man. And I was thinking about that. Well, didn't he touch a chord with everyone who is Absolutely. a working man? who wants a job, who wants a salary, who wants to be able to hopefully, hopefully they're raised to want to to want raise their family, be responsible husbands and fathers and producers.
2: Traditional family values. Traditional family values. The sanctity of, of life. life.
1: Isn't that? Now, here I was thinking even on the way to the studio, if a person listening right now belongs to a union and that union is closed to any group of people, shame on you because there should be the opportunity There should be the liberty for everyone to be all that they can be. And there's all kinds of ways to divide people. There's all kinds of ways to limit this group and open the door for that group. And what I hear Donald Trump saying is we're not going to have that in America anymore. So those who want to divide people and put everybody on various plantations, and I I mean that very sincerely because that's, that's a country of division rather than unity. And um, what say you to what my thoughts are there?
3: I think the mature, sane adults should talk to these young people who are out protesting and say, let's give President-elect Trump a chance. He deserves that chance. He hasn't been sworn in as our president yet. We still have Barack Obama. And so I think that, you know, the adults need to uh, tell these young people, go home. (laughs) <laughs> give give this man a chance.
1: Yeah, well, I think...
3: The in, people voted. We, the people, have already voted. It's settled.
1: Now, maybe we need to vote. Maybe we need to pray for him that he will have a strong heart, which he obviously does. And lots of energy and determination. Maybe that's one of our prayers, to, to to ask God to give him determination not to be pulled apart by every wind that blows. But to persevere. But to persevere and give everybody a chance to really—you see, you can't have America being great again if America's not good. And if America's good, it'll give everybody a chance to— everybody a chance and you've got to have employers in order for employees to have employment uh, it breaks down like that
2: and we need a revival that's the source of the goodness. we need
1: a revival now that brings up the church um, Pastor Bill Owen, do you think this is the church's opportunity to come out of the shadows, to come out of their fear and their, their timidness, to come out from the corners and speak to all of the issues of life that the Bible clearly talks about, including getting too far in debt? When you're too far in debt as a nation, it's a lot like being way too far in debt as a family. That's right. And it goes all the way through from there, doesn't it?
0: Absolutely. And well, do you it is time for the church to speak truth, not parties. And uh, I, I hate to say it, but too many black people just cling to being Democrats, and they really have no understanding. They don't realize that uh, the Democrats wanted to tell us what we could think about uh, life. Uh, Hillary said that well, the, the church had to change its views, had to change its mind hmm. about homosexuals. Who is Hilda to tell us that she can dictate to us what we must think?
1: You know, you bring up a subject right there because I don't know any of my friends or anyone else that makes fun of people or ridicules people or is mean to people over, over whatever their peculiarities are, but natural. See, natural is natural. The gravity pulls, the sun shines, and the rain falls, regardless of what a person may say about it. So if you are not involved in a one-man, one-woman relationship, that's too bad. That's too bad. The Bible speaks to that for sure, and churches shouldn't run from it. But it isn't a case of somebody beating up on somebody or anything like that. I think those accusations, where good people are concerned, are just are just straw men. Don't you think so?
0: Absolutely, absolutely.
1: Or anything like that. Marriage is between one man and one woman. Now, whether you like it or not, it's the, it's natural marriage. And yet churches and pastors and people, you know, now now they're a little afraid to say what is obvious. But anyway, we didn't want to get into all of that. Uh, But God bless you. We need to do some more programs like this. Deborah, I want to get into your your, uh, story also where education is concerned because you earned your Ph.D. And I'll tell you, it was because you wanted to have the credentials to speak with authority. But it didn't change your heart and it didn't change your mind, did it?
3: No, it didn't. I wanted to be able to serve more effectively, and so that's why I went on to pursue my doctorate in education. Um, our African American students all of our all of our students they deserve the opportunity to receive a great education, and our education system has failed them so um,
0: and I want to put this in that Deborah paid a high price for that degree. she paid a high price to get that degree at Vanderbilt University she paid a high price yeah.
1: all right and then you started in the closing moments here you started the coalition of African American pastors don't you think that 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 needs to be a coalition of all pastors come out of the shadows
0: well you know the truth of it is could I tell you something Dick? we named it the coalition of African American pastors behind our ministry that was called give me a chance ministry And I was so happy that Donald Trump asked the black community to give them a chance. That was the name of our ministry. It was to get inner city kids into college and and support them and see them through college. And what happened was when we started dealing with these social issues, moved away just totally education, we it was since that ministry, give me a chance, was built on black pastors all over the country, for the states. So we just changed it to the coalition of African-American pastors. But I want you to know, we have probably more white members than we have black
1: members. Well, I tell you what, that doesn't mean because white white. is any better than black or anything else, but everybody needs to come together, hold hands, and work together. Work
2: together.
0: Absolutely.
1: For righteousness. For righteousness. God bless you. Listen now in the closing minutes, and then we'll be right back. But of all things, all things, Johnny Cash of of all people. Uh, he recorded a song many years ago, but I just love it, and I think it speaks to it. It's called The Ragged Old Flag. Let's take a pause and listen.
4: I walked through a county courthouse square on a park bench, an old man was sitting there. I said, your old courthouse is kind of run down. He said, no, it'll do for our little town. I said, your old flagpole is leaning a little bit. And that's a ragged old flag you got hanging on it. He said, have a seat. And I sat down. Is this the first time you've been to our little town? I said, I think it is. He said, I don't like to brag, but we're kind of proud of that ragged old flag. You see, we got a little hole in that flag there when Washington took it across the Delaware. And it, and it got, got powder, powder burned the night that the Francis Scott Key sat watching it, and say, can you can see? And it, and got, it got a bad, bad rip in New Orleans, New Orleans with Packingham and Jackson tugging at its seams. And it almost fell at the Alamo beside the, the Texas, Texas flag, but she waved on, though. She got cut with a sword at Chancellorsville And she got cut again at Shiloh Hill There was Robert E. Lee, Beauregard, and Bragg And the south wind blew hard on that ragged old flag On Flanders Field in World War I She got a big hole from a bertha gun She turned blood red in World War II She hung limp and low ...a time or two. She was in Korea, Vietnam. She went where she was sent, by her Uncle Sam. She waved from our ships upon the briny foam... ...and now they've about quit waving back here at home. In her own good land here, she's been abused. She's been burned, dishonored, denied, and refused. And the government for which she stands is scandalized throughout the land and she's getting threadbare and she's wearing thin but she's in good shape for the shape she's in cause she's been through the fire before and I believe she can take a whole lot more so we raise her up every morning we take her down every night we don't let her touch the ground and we fold her upright on second thought I do like to brag, because I'm mighty proud of that ragged old clap. Oh, uh,
1: Bill, Bill, you know, we've only got just a second or two here, but I want you to close us in prayer. And I want to do some more programs with you and Deborah, because I want our listeners to know about the two little children that you adopted. Just to, well, How old are they now, quickly?
3: Four and five
1: four and five years old, little brother and sister. Yes. And, uh, and how old were they when you, when you adopted them? They were just little tiny ones, weren't they? We brought them from the
3: hospital. Uh,
1: oh, listen, what a story that is. God bless you, precious people. Bill, I'm going to ask you to close us with a quick word of prayer.
0: God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the bots, how they have worked diligently to make this a better country, to spread the gospel by way of radio, we ask you to bless the people in Radio Land. Touch this nation of ours. Touch the people that are hurting, those that are disappointed. Touch their heart in your name. In your name, get the glory. Amen.
1: This is Dick Bob Amen. with this chapter of The Complete Story as a public service. And, and I'll see you later.